Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm the host, Sean Boyce, founder of Podcast Chef. I'd like to welcome my guest to the show today, Scott Phillips. Hi, Scott. How are you? And thanks for being on the show. Good morning. Glad to be on here. Fantastic. And looking forward to learning more about yourself and your background, which would be the best place to start. If you wouldn't mind for our audience, if you could talk a little bit more about your background and how you got to be doing exactly what it is that you're doing today. Okay. Well, the the, the homeroom speech, as they call it. Please. Yes. I come from a background in financial services. Um, I decided to kind of dip my toe into IT back in the late 90s. Uh, in my early 30s, I went back and got another degree in computer science um, and just kind of worked myself up from you know a level two uh, tier two support through um, you know working with different Microsoft technologies through starting my own business in 2017 and and specializing in the Microsoft Dynamics uh, 365 uh, technical stack. Very good. And the name of that business? The name of my business is Lightholder Consulting. Excellent. And especially that consulting element, I think, means you're in the right place, given the name of our show. <laughs> so looking forward to learning a lot more about the journey that kind of you've embarked on. And I know we talked about this before, but our backgrounds are similar. I've uh, spent plenty of time myself, years uh, actually, in the uh, support channels of those you know, larger IT-based organizations. So exciting stuff. Uh, always good to hear from somebody who's kind of followed a similar journey, and we're looking forward to learning more about uh, what Lightholder is and you know where it is at the moment. So if you would, please share some of those details with us. Okay, sure. Uh, we started um, the company in uh, 2017. Um, like, I, like I mentioned before, we are in, uh, primarily focused in Microsoft um, Dynamics CRM products and the ERP and CRM space. Um, we have kind of broadened our, our kind of product offering in the consulting realm in the Power Platform, um, Azure, um, and and some of the other ancillary technologies that uh, that that go along with Dynamics 365. You know, we, we saw a big need for it. There there are a lot of like generalist consulting agencies out there, and we thought that this was a, a space we we needed to go ahead and serve. And it's been um, you know we 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 I operated as an independent consultant for a long time from 2017 up to January this year. Um, you know, we saved my capital, um, got some other capital on board and decided to, uh, decided to kind of, kind of grow the thing because there was much more work than there was me, um, being an independent consultant. So it, it, um, you know, we, we came up with a really good business model, a good marketing model. And in January of this year, we hired a business development person, some consultants, some other, uh, other staff. And it's been, it's been good. Um, you know, we, we are in a, we we have some specialties that we're in as far as verticals, and it's been uh, it's 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 been a good year. Um, so we we exceeded our expectations as far as revenue, as far as EBITDA, as far as everything else we were looking to do. That's outstanding, and definitely interested in learning more about the story too. From making that transition from independent, which sounds like it was a number of years from the beginning, in particular, where you said you, know, you really hit on where there was a need in the market. To now, you know, you're kind of building out your team, and that's growing as well too. So, talk to me a little bit more about what the process was like transitioning from solo to bringing folks on and expanding from there. Uh, well, the, my kind of evolution for this was that, like I said, I started the company in 2017. It was more just kind of a a a, a, a vehicle 
from me, um, you know, as far as taxes and things like that. But I saw that I was coming on a lot of projects and I, I was being called on not only to develop solutions and to, um, and to, and to lead the project, but it was, I had to do a lot of mentoring. Um, and we wanted up, um, you know, doing a lot of staff augmenting. So like I said, there was only so much of me and I, my, I was getting pulled in all different directions. And I thought, well, you know, there's, there's a huge need out there, um, in this space. And I thought that if I could, you know, lend my expertise, my experience, um, and working on over 50 different projects, um, everything from, uh, the private sector and, in in financial tech, all the way through the public sector, that I figured that, um, you know, that was something that I could leverage. Um, and we have a, a kind of a unique business model. I'm a CEO, but I also participate a lot in the solution architect uh, side of things, being that I'm a, I, I come from the technical side of things, not necessarily the functional. So, you know, I'm able to come in and, and help in uh, it, it, our solution architects design a system that's, uh, you know, flexible, scalable. Um, and also just my experience from an independent consultant point of view, working with business analysts, working with solution architects and, and listening to, to the, to the what before the, how a lot of consulting just come in and they automatically want to get to the technology, right? They're a hammer and everything's a nail. So, you know, we, we that's kind of our approach. Our philosophy with the company is that we're genuinely going to listen to what your business needs and recommend uh, technologies that can, that can augment, enhance, and transform your business um, from, from where you're at now to something that, uh, you know, something that will be more, more profitable. And it just create an overall better, better work environment for your employees to, to make their lives better. It's fantastic. Yeah, I know that. I know that all too well, having been a solo consultant myself before kind of I built my team and seeing a lot of the other options that were out there. A lot of people looking to kind of build and grow consulting businesses, they create more of basically like a job and they expect a lot of it to be consistent from when they did it, you know, at a larger company, for example, versus now doing it independently, almost contractor more than consultant, but that consultative approach, as you described, is is, is very different, right? It's it's the listening, it's the strategy, it's no, not necessarily jumping right into implementation because we don't, we you know we want to make sure that we've got the right plan to solve the top problem. Right. So talk to me a little bit about how, you know, on this show, we talk a lot about business development and marketing for these solopreneurs to small consulting teams, which you and I both uh, have not just been both, but have made the transition. What has your, what was, I should say, your business development process and lead generation, all that type of stuff as you were independent? And then what, how has that evolved as your, as your business has evolved as well? Well, uh, you know, I, I went ahead and hired a full-time business development person um, because I, I know what I was good at. Uh, I knew I was good once I got into the room um, as far as answering specific technical questions or, or, you know, or handling objections. Someone says, well, we were on this system and what, what can you do that this can't do? Um, but as far as the business development side of things, like I said, I hired a business development person. I also hired a VP of marketing. Um, we codified our entire marketing approach. We kind of did it from the top down because, um, you know, we, we wanted to have a plan in the beginning. We wanted to know what verticals are going to, we were going to go after, how we were going to go after them. Um, what all the way down to, uh, you know, getting this granular as far as, all right, what, what marketing channels are we going to use? Are we going to use LinkedIn? Um, are we going to, uh, you know, go, go ahead and bid on the public sector projects? How would we do that? So we, we codified an entire marketing plan around that, um, branding, 
Um, we redid the website. Um, it took us nine months to do it because we were all picky about the verbiage, the colors, the presentation, the messaging that we wanted to have um, because we, we knew that we wanted to be a differentiator in the business. Um, and that was, uh, you know, I had two very good uh, people along with me. Um, like I said, my business development person, uh, Shelby Prossen, she's, uh, she's done a, a fantastic job. She's very much a right brain thinker. Um, she'll get up at, you know, at midnight on a Sunday, like she did yesterday and say, you know, I was just thinking about something. This is a great sales channel for us to do. So, um, and it, we've executed on that. And, you know, that's what they say, you know, luck, luck happens when you're, you know, when you're, when you're working hard. So we, we've had a, we've had some luck this year as, as far as landing clients, um, basically from a standing start. Uh, nobody knew us, but we we had some opportunities to to show what we were show what we were about. We we executed on those, and then that opened up more opportunities for us. But you know, one thing I've learned over the year is that it's 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 still a relationship based business. It's 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 not you know it, people don't want to know you know they don't care what you know until they know that you care. So it's still a business of coming in and actually doing some active listening with people because. Um, you know, there's not much sales or business development after that. If they know that you care and that you're listening to them and that you can point out specific uh, solutions to problems that they have, whether that is a finance issue that they're having, whether it's a supply chain issue, um, whether it's the customer service, um, or, or just advising them on, on what they should do with their different technologies uh, and referring out to the people that can do it. So we've done a lot with that as far as building out our network of of other uh, technology service providers, um, stacks that we are not in, uh, managed services and things like that. So we have someone that we can feel comfortable with if we're um, talking to a prospect or a business phone person is that something that maybe we don't do, we can, we can refer them to, to someone that we know can execute that. Um, and we, we align ourselves with other businesses that have the same sort of ethos that we do, um, you know, that, we're, that we always do what we say. Yeah, that that line that you mentioned, which I'm going to reiterate because I like it a lot, is you know uh, that it is still a relationship-based business. So as you're talking about building the infrastructure and the process to better scale, continuing to reinforce that because I feel like that's a misconception. That's a trap, consulting trap people can fall into. I have myself thinking that I can delegate away all responsibility and set everything on autopilot. Not necessarily, right? It really depends on the type of business that you have. The relationships are still very important. Your quote. They don't care what you know until they know that you care. I think enforces that really well. Uh, so it sounds like that's been your experience as well. Yes, yeah. It, it, I don't think it was earth shattering for me, but it was it was it was much more easy to talk about uh, talk about solutions and helping businesses once they knew I, I was actually listening to what they had to say. And we, you know, we we have some specific marketing strategies that we do. A lot of consulting agencies. This is what I would. I would caution someone that's a solar uh, entrepreneur is that, you, you know, you, you can't keep on going to drilling new oil wells everywhere, meaning that you've got to be able to, when you have a client, you have to make sure you deliver on what you promise, be honest with them all the times, but then that well can keep, can keep, you know, giving you oil, uh, meaning that, you know, you constantly, a business person has to be, um, or your business development person or, or if it's yourself has to constantly be interfacing with the client because they may have other problems. And it's just a matter of asking the questions um, that, that you need to. So we're getting a lot of repeat business. We're getting a lot of business RFP signed for, for clients that we currently have. 
because we've delivered on other stuff and we just bothered to ask the question, like, what are you doing with this system? They say, you know, that's actually coming up for review. I think we're going to want to go ahead and look at that. Um, that's one of the, the you know, that's one of the pro- largest projects that we got this year was based on that. We're just asking a couple of questions. They're like, do you do that? Yeah, we do that. And they're, okay. And I mean, it took four months to happen, but, you know, it led from that one conversation just about something completely ancillary to what we were, uh, what we were doing. So, you know, that, that's the one thing I would caution is that, you know, you have to keep, you know, it's a relationship based business and you, you have to deliver and you have to support what you do. Right. So we, we come in behind other companies that don't execute that. So a lot of people that are left marooned um, with their technology. Certainly been there myself. And I think that's a big missed opportunity. That is arguably one of the easier ones to miss is your own existing clients as terms of being an opportunity for or in, in, an area to identify new opportunities where you can also help often related to what you do, which can also help you better understand how you want to grow from where you are, right? If you started in area A, it could be an opportunity for you to expand in area B. Your client can help you with that discovery effort. I know we've done that. It's helped us better understand how we can be better for them and more clients like them moving forward. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Um, you So you talked about hiring a head of BD and a VP of marketing and all of the activity that you did, you know, I think after having expanded your team there, I'd be curious, you know, you're talking about identifying the channels, uh, doing some research on the markets that you'd like to go after updating the website, which I can also relate to in terms of it always takes longer than you expect it to, but it's really nice when it's done. (laughs) Um, I'd be curious to know more about that process in terms of like, how much of that process did you start before you had brought on a head of BD and a VP of marketing? Uh, and how much of it was done, you know, and how did that process change after you had those additional team members? Well, I, th- I think that's why I bought a VP of marketing and a BD person because, it, you know, I, I I had all these thoughts kind of bouncing around in my head, but I, I didn't have a way to aggregate them. So, you know, the, the, the saying that if you, you're not an expert in something, hire somebody that is. So I wanted to hire somebody that could aggregate all these thoughts I had in my head about what I thought about marketing, about as far as a, a, a company mission and and have somebody that can aggregate them together and, and articulate that vision out to the world. So that's, um, to answer your question, as far as what I thought I could do, I was heavily into public sector um, when I started this business. So I thought that was the, that was sort of the business I wanted to get into. But once we started to do this, there were tons of opportunities in business to business, tons of opportunities with partnering with other companies um, that, that, like I spoke about before that, let's say I've got a client that needs a specific um, service that I don't provide. Well, a lot of companies don't provide that, but they want to have a go-to, right? They want somebody in their Rolodex um, to, to kind of date me here. If they, somebody in their Rolodex that they could go, that they could go to for this and that they can recommend. So um, I had an idea, but I wouldn't say it all kind of came together until, until, until we had a so sort of these virtual summits together with with all the marketing folks, um, you know, I have a social media manager. Um, she does all our social, um, and, and we've outsourced some business um, for for uh, for for marketing on LinkedIn, um, automating some of our marketing. Um, you know, as far as connections and far as as far as messaging out on there. Um, so you know. Uh, um, it was, um, I, I knew coming in, I was going to have to invest a lot of money, my own time and money into the business, uh, you know, spend money to make money. But 
you know, I didn't want it to be a black hole of money because I always knew I could go out and, you know, make a certain dollar per hour um, just doing this all over again, being an independent consultant. But I knew if I needed, if I was going to scale this business to where I wanted it to be, uh, I would need to invest in people and in processes and technologies to make that happen. So, absolutely. Um, a question that I have, because I know I've been there myself too, this is not maybe like a speed bump to progress, more from a mental perspective, if anything, at least it was for me. I'd be curious to hear your thought process, Scott, in terms of how you were thinking of when to make that investment in terms of, was it like a revenue number that you hit? Was it a capacity percentage that you fell under when you know things were just getting crazy? Or was it you know once you'd felt comfortable that the business has a, the ability to grow beyond what it was when you were doing it independently? Like what, what kind of series of events or decision-making criteria did you review uh, in order to be feel comfortable with making those investments and, and hiring folks to expand. Well, I can speak from my, my own personal experience. What happened with this was that you know I wanted to reach a level of my personal finances where it, where I, I could take some risk, um, meaning I had paid down all my my debt, um, and and had enough personal savings in the account where uh, you know I had the light bill paid and the car payment paid for a year. I said, uh, you know, th- then it and it took a lot of the pressure off me. Where any money above that, um, you know, that I that I that I was able to squirrel away, I knew I could put to the business, and that th- there was I had some modicum of kind of hedging against things not going the way I thought they were going to be. Um, you know, we 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 did borrow a little bit of money for the business, and I'm glad we did because it allowed us to scale up on a couple projects where if I just was using my all my own personal capital, um, you know, it, it probably wouldn't have worked. Um, so, you know, we were able to borrow a little bit of money, um, and, um, you know, but we, we, we haven't spent a lot of that money. It's still sitting in the bank, but it's there if I need it. If I get a project that's going to need 20 consultants and a BA and a, and a solution architect, I could go out and hire them tomorrow. I've got the capital in there. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, I could just go from my own experience and what my comfort level that I had was, was. I, I, I thought about a year out, right? I was playing the long game with this. I thought, well, if you're going to do this and do it where you're not going to feel panicked all the time, you, you need to have your own personal house in order before you do it. Well put. Another element that I've had conversations with other folks like us about is often related to like knowing you, knowing you could take advantage, well, like you mentioned before, right? Hiring the help where you aren't the expert, which fully support. And since I've embraced that, there's really no going back. That has uh, been one of the best decisions I've made as well. But part of the debate seems to be, you know, knowing when you're ready there from the perspective of if you've got a process for them to follow, or you're looking to hire them to help you build a process that you touched on it a little bit. I'd love to hear you talk a little bit more about this. Like, did you have a process you knew was working at least semi-consistently before you brought these folks in to kind of own these responsibilities? Or did you bring the folks in to kind of develop the process because you needed a pro- you knew a, ne- a process needed to be developed? I think I had a process. Um, that, that's, that's where I leveraged my experience in the business going back since 1999 and, and kind of working as an independent consultant even before I, I kicked off Lightholder back in 2013. Um, I, I sort of had a process uh, of uh, of taking a client through, um, you know, analysis all the way through deployment, 
Um, and I knew what processes worked and, and what didn't work just through, this is working on so many other projects through, through larger firms and through doing independent consulting. So I had an idea and this, my philosophy on hiring was, you know, I never got cheap doing this. I want, I wanted to hire people that were smarter than me. Um, and you know, that that's paid real dividends. Um, you know, I put people on, uh, on projects and, you know, I, I know that they're going to be able to deliver on a project probably quicker than anybody else. So there were other business models I could have adopted. You know, I could have, I could have done, uh, you know, more of an offshore sort of thing and, and, and arbitrage that, you know, and, and, but I didn't feel like I was doing a client a service. And that's that whole process of, do I want to keep drilling oil wells everywhere? Um, you know, I'm not saying that offshoring a lot of the work is not a bad thing to do. And it, it may, it may fit into my model somewhere down the road, but a lot of my, a lot of my clients, it was, it was very important that whatever we did, that we, we delivered on, on, on what the client needed and on time and on budget. So, um, you know, that's, uh, thankfully we've got, I've got some loyal people that I work with and they, I like working with them. They like working with me cause I speak their lingo. So it's, um, it, it's been good in that respect. So that the value of one bit of advice, if you're looking to scale out your business from being just yourself is, is, is don't fall in the, in the, uh, I'm going to get this guy for the least per hour and get the most from the client. And I'm going to arbitrage the difference. That's when you chase money that, that never seems to work. Yeah. I've been there myself too. That's a great point, right? There certainly is something to be said for really focusing on the value there and knowing, you know, especially as you bring in other folks, that are going to be having contact with your clients, right? Um, you know, since we've built our businesses, I, I think I've generally used a rule about eighty percent. In that, if I can get someone in to to do it at least eighty percent as well as I may expect of myself, then I'll be relatively satisfied with those results. But if it falls below that threshold, that that's likely to be un, you know unacceptable and will actually work against us as opposed to helping in that case. Yes, yes, I interview all of my all of my, um, you know, potential hires. Um, I personally get involved with all that. I think at last count, we're up to nine employees. We're looking to scale up a little bit more. So um, I interview everybody. Now that level of, of touch, you know, as I scale up the business more, I hope to have that. But, you know, as we scale up, it's, it's uh, you know, there, there may be some other, um, I want to kind of maybe get away from the tactical and go into more strategic thinking for the business where I want to go with it. So, you know, we, we, that, that may be another that may be another layer we have to add on there, um, as far as as far as staffing. Good opportunity for another podcast episode too, <laughs> as the business continues to evolve and we get closer to that next chapter. You had mentioned something that we talked about a few moments ago related to determining kind of which channels to invest in, more than likely from a business development or a marketing perspective. I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about you know what those channels are for you guys. And you know how you know how you went about kind of that decision making process, and then what results you've seen from those investments so far. So we decided fairly early on that we were going to leverage some of the social media platforms for this, um, especially for our B two B. So you know we 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 went ahead and, and have a heavy presence on LinkedIn, um, and, and decided to do kind of combat marketing on there, meaning that we're going to come in and we're going to. We're going to research different companies we want to work with, find those stakeholders in those companies. Um, and my business development person, she's very good at that bird dogging out um, who we need to speak to, sending out personalized uh, correspondences, 
um, arranging meetings with them just for them to talk. Say, what do you got planned for technology for, for the next year? Anything we can help you with. And, you know, we've, we've gotten some pretty good logos to talk to us. Did we just couch to like that? Cause everybody wants to talk about that sort of thing. And we, we didn't come into it like we're going to pitch you right away. We come in as more of a we're here to help sort of thing. So we, we've done, I think we've done fairly well on, the, on uh, marketing and, and on LinkedIn, but it's, we, we didn't really adopt any program like you see on that. A lot of people advertise. I'll get you in front of people. I'll get you 20 leads. We, we decided we could, we're going to do this a little bit differently. So um, we utilize LinkedIn a lot. Um, we're also in the public sector space. So we, we, we've utilized some software and some tools for that, for, for bird dogging out. Um, public sector opportunities, I think, fit what we do. Um, and, uh, you know, we learned a little bit about our competition um, as, far as, uh, as far as maybe some of the big five firms that we go up against and, and what revenue targets they're looking to do, what business they won't. They won't do, um, and and we kind of draft in underneath that. So you know, let's say a, a particular consulting agency, one of the big firms says, "Well, we really don't look at we really don't look at any deals that are maybe under three million dollars, right? They're not going to put any resources in acquiring business like that because it actually is cost them more money than they can possibly bill per hour for something like that. So that that's our market. I'm just using that as an example." So we would go into a market with specific uh, with that we knew was a specific size um, project. So uh, how do we determine that? Um, my experience in the business, and so I'm a business development person, just looking and analyzing at these individual public sector projects, say that looks about th this level, and I think we got a really good shot at doing that. So you know we we do that, but we also coming from my sales background is that you have to have a really good funnel at any one time, right? You, you can't go elephant hunting constantly and expect to, to, to be a, a successful business. So my, that's every, we have a sales meeting three times a week at the end of the day, and we go over our sales funnel, where our opportunities are, uh, where our revenue goals are, you know, what happened that week, what was the interaction. So we're, you know, me as a CEO, and, and I, I like doing the business development is I'm very hands-on with my business development person to keep, keep track of where we are in the sales funnel. And we, we just know, her and I both know that we know we need, at any one time, we're going to need 20 opportunities in our funnel. Be talking to different people, RFPs, to know that we're going to get one of those. So, because you can't get away from the math. So, that's, that, that's sort of our philosophy is that it's, uh, that, that we, um, you know, that we, we just, we are, is to engage people to increase that funnel of opportunities. Very good. Love the process oriented kind of element of the approach and same as you like being involved there as well too. And, you know, obviously developing it as a process is, prepares it better to scale as you continue to take your business through the different phases of growth. Um, thank you a ton for being here, Scott, and sharing this knowledge with our audience. It's extremely valuable. Sure. A couple questions for you before we let you go. The first one is going to be, what resources would you share with our audience, our listeners? Oven related to anything that we've talked about here where they can kind of go to learn more that you might recommend? As far as uh, technologies to use, as far as marketing channels, as far as both, without naming names? Yeah, really can be any of those or all of the above, I would say. Uh, in particular, oven related to you know how you've talked about making the transition from uh, solopreneur consultants to growing and building your team, the business development and marketing stuff we've talked about, anything related there, resources that have helped you kind of along your journey? 
Okay. So the first thing we did in last January was to to work with companies, some of your bigger um, your your bigger consulting agencies or uh, or, or technology service providers. Drop names like Ingram Micro or Velocio. They they they're they're in the business of helping you build out your consultancy and help through a partner channel network. So where you're where you're going to interface with other uh, other people that are that are like minded like you, you can bounce ideas off of each other. I've gotten a lot of good information uh, from that working with other guys and, and gals in my field um, that um, you know that 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 are doing this and and being open to ideas. So I would say, you know, join some partner channels um, for that. And, um, you know, as far as, uh, you know, learn the technologies. So if you're going to, if you're going to be, let's say a, um, you know, a a web development company, right. Um, Writing things in Python. Um, You know, if you want to, if you want to be successful, you have to think of all the whole technology stack around Python. you know, do I need to learn Spring? Do I need to learn the JavaScript frameworks? Um, so, you know, personally myself, I, I like to use sites like Pluralsight um, or Skillshare, um, where you know I'll spend my weekend learning technology stacks um, and, and what problems they solve. So, therefore, when I go into a, a meeting with a business development person, I've got a, an arrow in my quiver and I know what I'm talking about. So, when I see there's a technology need for something, somebody says, "Well, I need a responsive web app that can take payments and that can do this or do that." That that you can think, "Oh, I know just what to do with that," and this this is what um, this is what you need to do. So, you know, it, it, always be educating yourself. Um, so that's a that's that that's a big one. So people that constantly educate themselves, genuinely or generally, um, you know, seem to be more successful. Than, than somebody that's kind of static, right? That doesn't want to, does, I know this and I don't want to learn anything else. This is what I do. Good point for sure. Yeah, there's certainly a pattern there. Those are two excellent recommendations. Certainly increasing your skill set and knowledge and continuing to push forward there is only going to help uh, when those conversations come up just as you've articulated. And that first one is a really important point to reinforce as well too, kind of building those partner channels, right? Who you can learn and grow with, how you can help each other. Love those recommendations as well, too. So thank you for both of those, Scott. Last question I have for you is who should reach out to you and how can they get in touch? Well, anybody that, uh, you know, I'm glad to partner with with other folks. Um, so anybody wants to talk about, talk about you know, Microsoft Dynamics, wants to talk about the Microsoft stack that's interested in getting this. I, I love working with people that are starting out like, like, like myself because you never know what could happen down the road. It's all about relationships. Um, as far as contacting me, you can go to our site on uh, LinkedIn, um, lightholderconsulting.com, or we just rolled out our brand new website. We'd love some feedback on that. Um, and uh, that's lightholderconsulting.com. Um, and you know, that's how you can, that's how you can reach, reach out to my company and reach out to myself. I am on, on LinkedIn, Scott Phillips, Phillips with one L and, uh, you know, just, uh, Trying to make it happen here. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing both of those and all all those resources, Scott. We'll link to them in the show notes for all of our listeners as well, too. So you can uh, simply check the show notes and then have access to all those links for the resources and contact info that Scott provided. Um, So thank you. I can't thank you enough, Scott, for being here and sharing your knowledge and experience with our audience. Thank you for the thoughtful questions. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Consulting Trap. 
If you have a suggestion for a future episode, or you would like to be a guest on our show, please send me an email at sean at podcastchef.com. That's sean, S-E-A-N, at podcastchef.com. P-O-D-C-A-S-T-C-H-E-F.com. Before we go, we'd like to thank the sponsor of our show, Podcast Chef. Podcast Chef helps turn ordinary podcasting into a revenue-generating lead magnet for your consulting business. Our Podcasting Done For You service takes away the headache of starting up and running your own podcast. Reach out now to take advantage of our 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit us at podcastchef.com to find out how our team of experts can help you leverage podcasting to take your consulting business to the next level. Hey, you. Yes, you. It's uh, 2024 and you don't have a podcast yet. Or maybe you do, but you're struggling with it. Uh, We will talk to you about that uh, for free. We'll help you figure out uh, where you might be stuck. Uh, Whether or not we can help you for sure. But also, uh, if you don't have one yet, what are the first five things you can do, uh, what are some great angles that you can use to make sure that your podcast was sustainable as you start to develop that moving forward? Uh, Those consults are free. So reach out at the link below uh, in the show notes or email me at brian at podcastchef.com. Thanks. Hi, this is Brian. Thanks for listening to the show. Uh, our website, podcastchef.com, has a ton of useful information about how to best leverage podcasting to help you solve some of your business goals and challenges. You can also schedule a demo uh, where we can show you how specifically Podcast Chef and our team can help you with some of your podcasting goals. Thanks. Thanks.